Welcome everyone to the Startup Series podcast where we are going to give you amazing insights into what it takes to start a business, what it takes to be a founder, uh, problems starting a business, problems with uh, building a, a startup and um, successes as well. Uh, so we're going to be running a, a mini series throughout this semester. There are going to be four episodes, uh, each on a uh, different topic with a, a different entrepreneur, and it's going to be really, really exciting. It's really important that you listen, uh, you get curious, you think about these businesses, you think about the founders, you think about some of the errors they might have made where they've had wins and, and, and potential holes. So sit back and enjoy, but also take note. So for our first episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with some amazing young Aussie entrepreneurs. They are in the fintech space, developing financial services technology. Their names are Brett and Justin, and they are the founders of Flux. Flux have the simple mission of improving the financial literacy of Australians, particularly young Australians. And I was staggered to learn that half of the Australian public are technically considered financially illiterate. That is crazy. And so that's where Flux come into it, founded by Brett and Justin Joffe initially, a third co-founder, Gus, joined more recently. They've been backed by some of Australia's biggest companies like Telstra and Scalata Ventures who have invested in these young guys to solve this problem and improve the financial literacy of Australians, particularly young Australians. To date, they have launched a couple of different products that are addressing this problem. First of all, they got the podcast called what the flux it is a great podcast every day delivering financial news in a really relevant way for young Australians to follow what's happening in the economic world and secondly the second product recently shipped and launched is a credit health check so young Australians can know their credit history know what it's like for them or their prospects of getting a credit card or a loan or a mortgage and the financial health of them as individuals which is super super helpful there are lots more products in the pipeline and they are really changing the game for young Australians to improve their financial positions. So get excited for an incredible conversation. There's a lot there, a lot for you to, to listen out for where we go into not just um, Flux, the business, but we look at the founder relationship, how these young guys started the business, what have been some big pain points. And it's really important for uh, you, the listeners um, and students out there to have a think about maybe what are some of the, the legal issues and legal ramifications and considerations for them to consider as these young guys uh, have built this business. Also look out for info and advice around pivoting business, changing business direction, how to engage stakeholders, how to get mentors, how to get advisors, and how to navigate the first few years of running a startup. I'm excited for you to listen, so enjoy. Hey, Ranza. Thank you for having us. It's so good to have you, the two of you here. It's um, it's really interesting for me uh, to have the two of you because I was reflecting on our journey and how long I've known you guys for, and it's really funny when you um, when you know someone for such a long period of time, and then you actually you know goes from I think I was your footy coach at one point in time, 
to now I'm a little bit intimidated to host you on our podcast because you're <laughs> sitting here as the finance gurus to young Australians <laughs> at the moment. Um, and you're on a crazy journey building your startup flux. Uh, and it's just really, really cool to have you in. So again, welcome. Thank you for having us. It's good to be here with you as well. And um, yes. it was a very big year when you were our footy coach. I think you didn't mention that we won the premiership. So you should chuck oh, that in there. We did. Wow. You guys are just winners all round. <laughs> since, right? I think you're the common denominator here. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. So um, I'm really interested in finance. Uh, you've got a um, fintech company. You've got uh, one of Australia's leading uh, finance podcasts. I'm hearing finance. I'm hearing dollars, cents. I'm interested to know, you know, there's a lot of talk in the stock market at the moment. So straight out of the bat, as finance gurus, what's the best investments the two of you have made? <laughs> that is a very good question. I, um, I'd say I'm going to take that in two ways. The first is from an investment perspective, um, I actually invested quite early in, in Afterpay, um, which was a great investment at the time, but I also sold out much earlier oh. than, than the current share price. So um, that was a good investment. But I'd say another good investment, and it's not in the stock market, is actually just getting my own finances in place. Um, so making my own budget, which was more of a time investment as opposed to an um, you know, investment in any shares. But understanding that actually made me save a lot more money, which is uh, an investment in myself as well. Mm, well played. What about you, Brett? Um, what's your best investment? Well, I, uh, I started my career as a... Uh, an analyst and graduate at the Commonwealth Bank. So I had shares as part of my employment there. Um, and that did well for a while, but not in the long run. Um, I would say that the best investment that um, I've made is teaching myself the benefits of term deposits, to be honest. Um, for those who are a little bit more risk averse, and I certainly was a number of years ago, I think understanding where good and bad term deposits are and what makes those up has been the best for me. So not necessarily listed equities, but more like um, an investment product that is more conservative. So just, just add a conservative guy. Yeah. Except for this special way. Out of interest. I mean, the stock market's gone nuts at the moment. I mean, mm. it just seems wild. It doesn't really mirror the society. I think we're living certainly not in Melbourne right now. Do you guys live for the stock market? Do you live for the, for, for shares? What, or, or it seems, seems like you're the opposite. I, I personally, I don't live for the share market. Um, one thing that excites me, though, is the narrative and story that every company has. So regardless of where a company is on their journey, uh, every company has a story to tell and the leaders of those companies have a story to tell as well. So one thing that I find so interesting about the share market is that you get a really good insight into what's going on in companies because they're public. So you get to see the ups and downs um, and the leaders of those companies navigating the choppy waters, particularly at a time like now when there is just so much going on. Sadly, the majority of companies are, are finding things tough, but there's also a lot of companies that are growing and emerging. And, and that's a really exciting thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, so that's actually, I want to pick up on something you said there, because that's a really nice segue into, um, I guess, our theme for today on how to navigate the early stages of a startup. And there's two founders and leaders of private business, the private business and the startup. Um, 
unlike a public company where it's the, all out in the open, it's a mm. lot behind closed doors and, pro- and, and probably not as structured and open and transparent. So just for full transparency, there actually are three co-founders. Gus is our third co-founder as well. What's the third co-founder's name? His name's Gus. He's our CTO and co-founder. So CTO means? Chief Technology Officer. And he does? He basically does all the tech behind all of our products um, and manages now a team as well. So he is an absolute weapon and we wouldn't be where we are today without him. Yeah. amazing pretty important to the business and so okay the two of you and the third co-founder but we'll just focus on the two of you tell me um as we navigate the early stages of starting a business uh, i'm interested just before even talking about flux and how we got here today you know how did you guys how did you guys end up here how did you turn into these young finance gurus um what's what's your story sure so um the story really begins in our university days and um and also the years that followed in the early years of our professional life. Justin and I, are firstly, we're first cousins and very close friends. And we had this common interest and this common problem in the early days, which was um, wanting to engage with and understand the business world, but also the most ideal way to do personal finances. And we were very conscientious and nerdy and wanted to do this in a really great way. Save yourself. <laughs> We we couldn't find a really good entry point, like a really great place to start and feel like we were doing things in the right way. So that's what really made us start to learn about personal finance, which set us on a path to learn a lot more about financial literacy and actually how much of a problem it is in Australia. Um, And just from a backgrounds perspective, um, my backgrounds in in commerce and law, Brett's is in um, business as well, commerce. um, And our backgrounds are at large corporate organisations. I was at PwC, Brett was at um, CBA and and also at IFM Investors. Um, And despite being in very corporate environments, we still struggled personally with our own finances and understanding concepts that were often... um, you know, there was a barrier to entry to a lot of these concepts just because they were either acronyms or they were just foreign terms that actually made people disengage from finance broadly. Um, and that was a little bit of a, a pet peeve and frustration for both of us that we used to joke around corporate buzzwords, etc. And so we really just wanted to lift the light on that, which kind of led us to um, broadly around the, the financial literacy problem and, and why we started Flux. Can you remember the moment that you actually decided, hey, you're two, two young guys in corporate jobs. I mean, the outside world would think you're, you're pretty impressive, destined for greatness, um, you know, pretty secure jobs, good paychecks. Can you talk us through how you actually made the decision to go, all right, we're going to quit that um, to start start uh, a business that we're really passionate about how did you start this startup and, and like that can you talk us through that actual moment where you decided to uh to jump in uh i, I can speak from my own personal experience I, I know that i was um i really enjoyed my job in management consulting um i felt like i was contributing a lot but i knew that um i was I guess pigeonholed to certain jobs or projects at any one time. And I didn't have control over my own destiny. Um, And on the one hand, as you mentioned, it was really great because I was earning a good salary. Um, I was learning really fast, but I just didn't feel like I could contribute as much as um, I was able to contribute outside in my own business. Um, And really I felt like, our mission around flux, which is improving financial literacy and financial confidence was something that I could do so much better if I was 
operating myself or with a couple of partners, um, Brett being one of them. And Ronan, um, probably you're part of the reason as well. I know we, we kind of started dabbling and engaging in, in what we were doing on a part-time basis. And then you're like, you guys are going to jump shit. You're, you guys are going to jump. And, and we did, and, and we haven't looked back since. But um, yeah, I guess it's just having people around you that supports you. Um, there wasn't one particular moment. I think I might've had a hard day at work and I was like throwing it all in. This is, let's go for it now. But um, yeah, that's, that's my story. For me, it was, I mean, I was very much enjoying my role at IFM Investors, but um, for me, I just couldn't stop thinking about the problem that is financial literacy in Australia and also how much I believed in myself and Justin and Gus that we could do something about it and solve it in a unique and engaging way. So I would wake up in the morning, go to bed at night thinking that um, I really believe that we could create something of value over time, of course, and to the point where it almost took control of me and a hold of me where it just started gaining this momentum and I started reading and obsessing and listening to podcasts. And before I knew it, like it was almost time to resign. Of course, there was some light bullying from you, Ronen, um, in terms of going to go and do it. But, um, but yeah, it was just became this obsession. Tell me, what did you actually do? You quit your jobs. Like we're going through the journey now together uh you quit your jobs um going back a step before i actually asked how you actually do it like did it what did you do on that first day of um no work but lots of work uh how did you choose to do this together um so i understand just before gas it was the two of you how did you how did you how did you make that relationship happen it's a good question um I think at the very beginning, Brett and I were very conscious about, um, we have a very close friendship and family relationship as well. Um, and we set some pretty clear boundaries and, and values at the very beginning that our family relationship and our friendship comes at the forefront of everything we do. And it still remains that way that um, the business is super important to us, but relationships are what build businesses and cultures. And so we agreed that um, that relationship was going to be very central um, and it still is today. We know we do a daily business news podcast where we um, we have some banter with each other and we almost finish each other's sentences because we know each other so well. But um, yeah, that relationship was at the core and, and still is. Do you feel the same way, Brett? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I do. Yeah. No, no, no. I definitely do. I think I actually remember um, calling Justin one day and kind of saying, this is like super early, right? Like thinking, I've noticed this problem. And I've got this kind of solution idea. Um, it's certainly not what transpired in the end. It was very different to where we are today. But um, I remember just saying to him, I reckon that, you know, if you and I work together, then we could really solve this in an amazing way. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, so much changes over time. But, um, yeah, vaguely I remember that. And, and our first session together was, interestingly, because of all the books that we'd been reading and the podcasts we've been listening to, it was actually around values like before we even started talking problem and solution um to be completely honest like do we still uphold the same five values that we committed to then uh largely yes but also largely no things have evolved a lot but um that was actually the first place we started because we genuinely um bought into the view that culture was going to make us determine whether we were successful or not i love that can you by any chance can you remember those initial values I can't remember them either. I do remember though they were on cue cards and we blue tacked them to my wall in my kitchen. Amazing. And, and 
just back to the relationship because you guys have a really interesting dynamic, you know, no doubt, like you said, cousins, good friends, finish each other's sentences, same passion, same mission in life, same passion around financial literacy. Um, that's definitely the, the positive side and, you know, enables you to do the great things that you're, you're, you're doing now, no doubt. But, um, is there a shadow to that? You know, how do you, um, you must've been told or heard of the, the, the saying, you know, don't go into business with friends, let alone family. And so how do you, how do you make things work? From my perspective, and, and definitely I've heard that saying many times before. And I think people said that to me as we were initially starting. And over the last couple of years, I have heard it a lot less. And I think that's because people have seen how effectively we've worked together. Um, in saying that though, I think the core of, of working with whether it's a family member, a friend, a partner or whoever is just really, really, really open communication. Um, we raise things with each other all the time. After many meetings, we give each other feedback. Um, I think you could have done that better or um, that was a 10 out of 10, well done. Um, and it's really that feedback, both positive and constructive, which I think helps us both improve, but also, um, you know, I get a sense from Brett when he is feeling when he's feeling stressed or when he's feeling um, angry or, or excited. And so being able to match that level of someone else is, is really important. Um, you know, there's some days where I just look at him and he knows just stay away today. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. Um, and that's one of definitely one of the benefits of um, starting a business with someone that you were close to beforehand. Um, and I would definitely second what Justin said. It's, it's about communication, rather over-communicate, and also um, establishing an atmosphere where it's healthy to share non-work things that are going well and not well. Um, we have a check-in every week, Monday morning, as a team, where we say um, how things are going non-work related, and that really helps everyone get on each other's the same page, helps us communicate and understand where everyone else is at from a personal perspective. And ultimately, it's been a really effective tool for us as a business. It seems like things are just great with, with the two of you, but I understand, you know, no startup is just great. There's highs and lows. Um, what's the what's the journey been like for you? Because you're about, what, two years from when you left the job or is it maybe even three years? I'm not even, not sure, but um, what's kind of, what's been some ups and downs in that time? Yeah, um, it is. It's, it's just, it's just under two years. Um, and it was definitely a scary, um, it was definitely scary to, to leave a very um, comfortable job where we were learning. Um, there have definitely been a lot of ups and downs across the journey so far. And I mean, launching Flux in, in January this year was definitely one of the, the highlights in the podcast when it got some really great traction. I guess from a low light is trying to really understand, um, get and I don't know if this is a term that's very commonly used or has been used so far, but finding your product market fit, which is something which is um, really challenging. And I think over time we've understood and I don't think we have perfect product market fit yet at all, but it's something we're constantly refining and getting closer towards. And probably last year, there was a period where we were backing out instincts and intuition more than we were listening to customers. And that 
when we had that shift of mindset to really focus on small improvements, testing, iterating, and constantly improving, that's when we started to see a shift in um, our business and how we as a company started um, becoming, I guess, more recognized and also much more valued by listeners of the podcast, users of our, um, of our, of our personal finance tool, which is a free credit health check at the moment. Um, but I, I think people say it a lot, like listen to your customers, hear their feedback and adapt accordingly. And I can't emphasize how valuable that has been by doing it in really small steps for us because that's how we've learned the most. So, so what happened? Um, you said Flux. So Flux uh, launched uh, about a year ago. Um, in the year in between, uh, you know, you had a different iteration of this business. What, what happened there? So we started off with uh, a focus on the same problem, which is financial literacy. And we hypothesized the way to solve that was by creating an, an online platform that would help people pick the right credit products for them. And um, the way we, as Justin mentioned, I think went with gut a little bit more than we should have. And we ended up basically making mistakes around uh, what customers would want, what they would expect, what the process would be like. And it was after making several mistakes from a product perspective and not gaining the traction that we ideally would have liked that it got to a point where we had a real moment where we said to ourselves, what's not going right here and what needs to change in order for us to give this a chance of not only surviving, but succeeding. I'm interested to explore that moment you spoke of because, uh, you know, there's lots of companies, maybe lots at the moment that are sort of sitting in that in between. I know a little bit about your last business. It, it, it was actually doing well. I mean, you got funding, you got investment, um, you're, you're going along uh how did you actually realize that well this isn't this isn't the right direction and we need to to do a complete pivot i mean it's it's a fantastic decision but no doubt it wasn't so simple and because you know lots of people don't make that decision how did you how did you navigate that and um with any tools or processes that that really stuck out for you that you go, oh, we made that decision because we, we have a, it was a relationship or, or whatever it is. It's a good question. It's a great question, Renan. Um, I would say there, there was a particular moment late last year where um, we felt like we were, um, there was a fork in the road where we needed to decide either we were going to um, yeah, park flux for now and think this is still something that is, um, you know, it, it's a great concept, what we want to build, but it's just not right for now or our emotional runway is just exhausted um, or we can give this one last big push. Um, and we set ourselves a, a really strict timeline over three month period at the beginning of this year where we decided if we were to achieve certain milestones, um, then we could actually continue on with this business. Um, and we were, we had some really aggressive milestones that we want to achieve from a, a registered users of our app perspective from the podcast listeners and also just from the product features that we um, produced. And um, we, at the beginning of this year, the first three months, we worked really, really hard to achieve those goals and actually blew a lot of those milestones out of the water, um, which was awesome and gave us the confidence to continue. And then we actually received um, further investment um, for Flux. And are you uh, just, just on that, did it, I mean, when you, when you changed from the, the direction of, um, the, 
the the other the other aspect of financial literacy that you've sort of parked and, and you've moved on. Um, did different people change? You've got different investors now to then. You've got some different team members to then. How did you how did you actually navigate that transition of um, the two of you being the same founders, but surrounding yourself essentially with different stakeholders? Was that hard? How did you go about that? Yeah, I was going to say that um, I remember, so when we, we reached that point and we're formulating what the next step should be, I remember us saying, what do we know has worked well? What do we know? So based on data, like how do we know that we're performing well and what we've built is, is successful or potentially successful? What do we know has definitely not worked or doesn't look like it is working? And what are the attributes of how we operate as a business that are making us successful and which aren't? Um, for example, one mistake that I think that we used to make a lot of was being too hesitant to release product features um, in a quick way. So at that point in time, when we did decide to make the change, we said, let's be comfortable with putting things out there that aren't perfect and just embrace the fact that we're going to make things that aren't perfect, but keep making progress towards um, not perfection, but being as good as we can be. And uh, so that shipping mentality and also the accountability that went with that as a team um, really helped us position for the experiments that we started to make at the beginning of 2020, which ultimately some of which turned out to be the most successful aspects mm -hmm. of our business. And when we started the podcast in January, like listening back now to any of the episodes, like we're embarrassed to hear them. <laughs> but as Brett said, like we had from the beginning of this year, we just had a shipping mentality. Like we literally call it the shipping mentality where everything should be shipped and we know that that's then our baseline and it can only be improved from there. Mm. So just, just on the podcast, so you, you brought up, so let's, let's go there for a, for a little bit. So, I mean, that's a, a startup in itself. It's a sub startup within a startup, I guess, you know, you, you've um, you could take that all sorts of ways. I mean, how did you jump in there and, and what, what's, uh how you know this is my first podcast um <laughs> congratulations starting do you have advice <laughs> for me on uh how to start it up what would your do over be from the the start i think from our perspective brett can speak more about the, the structure of the podcast and how he did it i was absolutely shitting myself when we started this like i was not comfortable with doing a podcast putting my voice out there for anyone to listen to um, I felt quite vulnerable, um, but I think having some sort of structure around our podcast, which is, you know, you've got an intro, you've got an outro, you've got the same structure for every single episode, really helped me feel comfortable with delivering it. And it just so happens that a lot of our listeners actually say that it's that consistency of, of our messaging, which has been so effective and why they like the podcast so much. I would definitely add, Renan, to make sure that the microphone is plugged in in your first episodes, because <laughs> in our first few, we thought that these expensive microphones that we bought um, were plugged in, but it turns out that they were not. And we were just using our um, MacBook, um, whatever microphone. Yeah, that was, a, that was a mistake that we made. <laughs> But um, ultimately, um, we were focused, just like with, our, with our, our tech products, we were just focused on shipping. So we knew that the product was going to be bad early. We just hoped that where we started was as good as possible and really seek feedback, even if it's uh, confronting and painful, mm. because we were willing to put it all on the line because of um, the mistakes that we'd made previously. And we knew that our upside potential was high and worst case scenario was the business didn't work, which is something we had to be comfortable with. So we were more than happy to 
test things, take, make experiments. And, um, and that was the attitude that we had that ultimately led us down this path with the podcast. So you both, uh, you strike me as, you know, you sit here, very balanced, strategic, logical, um, uh, well thought, well thought out. Do you have a go-to process when you're at that fork in the road, you know? So like now you're sitting, you know, no doubt you're thinking about your next iterations and the next shipping of a product, whatever it is. Um, do you have a go-to process on how you actually make decisions as co-founders or, um, you know, big decisions or, or brainstorming? Mm. What, what type of processes do you use as, as leaders to make good decisions or better decisions than say you did on day one? Um, it's a great question. I think, primarily right now and I touched on this earlier is that we are so much more data driven today than we've ever been previously and anytime we release or have an idea about the next product feature or large product milestone that we want to achieve we always test it with our podcast listeners with our Instagram following which is now nearly 5,000 followers and we get great engagement with and friends family that fit within our target market of you know younger Gen Z young millennials as well um and often, I mean, we have ideas all the time. Um, and if we really went with every single idea we ever had, we'd have no focus and we'd be in a hundred different directions. Um, so, but we do test a lot of them. So just asking people questions, listening to their feedback and then building one small feature at a time, getting more feedback, more feedback um, and becoming data driven is, is really important. I think one other thing that we might touch on as well is that, you know, in everything that we build, we want to try and have some sort of competitive advantage. Um, and if we don't have a competitive advantage and we don't have the capital to, um, you know, because we don't have the same capital as a, a large bank right now, we need to have some sort of advantage. And we often consider, is this feature going to have a competitive advantage? Can we produce that? And if not, we need to consider whether that's something we can um, afford to do both from a time, effort and, and resources perspective. And so how do you, like, how do you make that decision from, you say, time, effort and resources perspective? What, what, how do you make that analysis? What tools do you use? We just basically try to, you know, we use that as kind of the evaluation criteria. Um, and we also then get a sense of the feedback that we're going to get. We don't have a strict process in place as to, as soon as we hit a certain threshold, but we, um, as I said, like we try to work out what fits next in terms of product roadmap and how long that process will take um, before we jump into something and, and really wait to get strong customer feedback before we realize that is the next feature that we want to produce. Um, we also look at it from like, you know, a viability, a desirability and feasibility, like which is a traditional startup um, event diagram um, just to understand, is this something we can, we can produce? So, I mean, you guys are too perfect. Um, <laughs> how, back to the relationship. Do you ever get annoyed with each other? Yeah, we're human beings, uh, Ronaldo. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, we work long days. And so, you know, when you have long days and kind of late nights, then um, it's, only, it's, it's only human to do that. But um, ultimately, we're very grateful for the fact that we are, having more good days than bad days. Um, and so that the um, frustrations with um, perhaps things in the business not going to plan or um, with being next to each other for so many hours a day, they kind of haven't been happening too much lately. But of course, it's inevitable. And I but think really just sorry. having that, that common goal, like we're so driven by the same common goal that no matter what those small 
superficial frustrations are when you take a step back and we realize we're both really passionate about the same goal of producing and inspiring financial confidence in in young people, which is currently not happening because the things that are out there are are overwhelming and they're really quite boring. Um, And we're really passionate about making finance fun. Like it doesn't need to be as serious as it is today. And as soon as we take a step back and, you know, we realize that that's our goal and, and it's hard to be annoyed with Brett for too long. So there is the third here, Gus. Yeah. Uh, and so how, how do you integrate him into this really strong relationship that, that you have? For all transparency as well, Gus and I were school friends. So Gus, um, yeah, Gus already knows us from a long time ago as well. Um, I hadn't seen Gus in a little while. We caught up at our 10-year um, school reunion and rekindled the friendship. Um, so it wasn't a, 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 a new relationship from scratch that we created, um, but we also um, are all equals in, in, in our team. Like we have a, our own individual relationship. Brett and Gus have their own individual relationship and myself and Gus have our own relationship. And it hasn't, um, I, I don't want to speak for others, but it hasn't felt like um, there's any kind of waiting in dynamic one way or, or another. Um, and also I think it's just around that open communication that uh, everyone is equal and everyone has equal voice so that no opinion is weighted more heavily than anyone else's. I love that. It's, it really highlights the power of a network as well, because, you know, you went to school with Gus and then you said 10 years later, you hadn't mm. seen each other and he's now the co-founder in, in your business. And it's, mm. um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really incredible, I guess. Um, who else has turbocharged you over the past two years? You know, is just the three of you are there. There are other people, um, you know, how do you, how do you amplify your, your, your impact? In my opinion, when you have established a culture, when it comes to your, your business and your product of experimentation and testing and seeing what works and what doesn't i think it's about identifying what works and what doesn't and when you do establish what works it's about zoning in and trying to maximize the opportunity that you can gain from doing something like that Um, there have been many um, opportunities that have come and gone and there have been kind of many people that have come and gone as well particularly in the startup scene Um, there's no shortage of people who are very interested to have a coffee with someone who's doing a startup. So um, on that topic, focus is very important, may I add. But um, yeah, I, I think that like, you know, coming across great mentors and advisors along the journey has been huge for us. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm perfect at it. Like I think I could be better at identifying and um, building relationships with potential mentors. And that's definitely a focus of mine at the moment. Um, and I would imagine that Justin and Gus are the same as well. So, um, but that I can't um, articulate how impactful that can be when you have great mentors and advisors around you. Is there a particular piece of advice that really sticks out for you that you've received from mentors over the journey or a mentor? Yeah, I actually, I was, I was actually going to just echo what, what Brett said as well, that as a business, we have mentors, like business mentors. Um, and then personally, we also have mentors as well to navigate our own professional development because while we're all focusing on the business, we're, we're all individuals at the end of the day. Um, and so managing that is really important and, and looking for the right mentors from a business and personal perspective is really important. Um, in terms of the advice that I received, and I think it's really, it's really resonated with me, 
is um, reward the behavior that you want to see. Um, and it's, it's really simple and it's just, um, you know, it, how does that work in practice? It's really like, if someone makes an introduction for you, let them know that um, you really appreciate that introduction or you met with that person and, um, and it was a great conversation. Um, and it, it, it was really helpful and it was really, um, um, I guess, generous of them to make the introduction in the first place. So make them feel good about it. Um, in, in other ways that can work where, you know, someone's done a really good job within the team and you just want to remind them of the work they've done. It's, it's, it's not crazy and it's not um, rocket science, but it's too often forgotten. And there's nothing weird about doing it when 12 or 18 months have passed. I still send messages to people who introduced <laughs> me to someone who introduced me to someone and saying, thanks again. I can't tell you how much it's helped me progress in a certain way. Um, and I'm yet to have a negative response so far, but I'm sure one will come and it's like, man, that was like three, four, five <laughs> years <that> ago. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, this has been awesome. I could go on all day. Um, as we sort of come to an end, what, what, what's, what's, what's next with Flux? What's, uh, what's the next iteration from the podcast and the, 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 the credit score? What does the next few years look like for you? Sure. So, I mean, as we've mentioned that we're really focused on the problem of financial literacy in Australia. In fact, more than half of Australians are considered financially illiterate, which is a really big problem. So we know this is a particularly large problem for young Australians. So we're really focused on making financial literacy accessible and fun. And you mentioned the podcast. That's one of the ways in which we do that. We've got a big focus on content and really excited to expand that from an audio and video perspective over the coming months and years. Um, also, we're really focused on um, credit health. So helping young people improve their credit scores so they can reduce the cost of borrowing money in the future. And, and also importantly, helping people budget and save in a really effective and fun way. And we have some really creative and somewhat out there ideas around this uh, that we are excited to release <laughs> over the coming months. Um, but Thanks yeah, we're really us. excited Thanks to push in. financial literacy into a new direction um, that makes managing your personal finances a lot more fun. Amazing. Well, I can't, I can't wait for that. Such a, a need, particularly for young Australians, particularly at this time in the world. Um, so bit left field, closing questions for one for each of you, or we'll do the same. You can answer, answer, uh, answer as you like. Um, what advice would you give a uni version of you? So what advice would you give to yourself? You go back in time. You both went to university. What, what advice would you give to, to young Brett, young jazz? You're both still young, but younger, <laughs> um, the uni version of yourselves. I'm happy to jump in here first. I think the first thing I'd say is, is think laterally. Like there is no one path, despite what many people tell you about, you know, completing a degree and getting a job at a large corporate and doing that for X number of years. Like there just is no one path that you should be taking. The path you should be taking is the one that inspires you and, and makes you get up in the morning excited to go to work. And I know that sounds very cliche, but it's, it's really a mixture between what you're passionate about and what you're good at. And a lot of people say, you know, you want to become good at everything. But in reality, if you're good at one or two things, you should really emphasize those two things, um, one or two things, and um, play your strengths. That was well said. Um, I would Polish, say, yeah, we're going to answer. Um, I've got a couple of things. One is in terms of business, I would say um, 
one thing I've come to learn is that business is really all about putting one small foot in front of the other. And although it, when you're not involved in a business, it can look like successes happen very quickly. Um, it's all about having a little win after little win after little win. And after a while, it turns out to be bigger wins. Um, and really business is all about little problems and big problems that come your way and navigating them. So um, that's really one thing I've learned. The other is that I would tell uni Brett that you can't underestimate how important it is to have trusted relationships with people. Um, whether that be networking and building relationships with friends or it'd be people in certain industries or people you start companies with or potential investors or customers. I really think trust is at the center of everything. And I think it's often overlooked. If there's a way in which you can demonstrate these sort of things, um, and on a continuous basis and continue to build and have that at the center of your mind when you're maintaining relationships with people. It's a hack that I think is often overlooked, but extremely effective. Amazing. Well, it's, it's clear to see. Um, it's funny you, you say, Brett, you'd give that advice to, to little version of you. Cause it seems like you, the two of you have done it extraordinarily well. Uh, thanks so much for that. Those, uh, those, insights i guess what's really sticking out to me is um the resilience that the two of you have had to show over over a two-year period just to you know keep going realize you've done something wrong get back up go again learn small steps um invest in the relationship invest in the relationship with some more and it sounds like invest in the relationship even even more and it's it's clear to see why you are one of the shining lights in the fintech space at the moment and i can't wait to see uh where flux goes um and for everyone listening uh, what the flux the podcast they can get it from you can get it from everywhere. spotify you can get it apple podcasts anywhere where you want to listen to your podcast we're there and you can also get it at www.flux.finance, may I add, if you go to that website. Yeah, and it is literally one of the best uh, podcasts um, in Australia at the moment. Uh, short, bite-sized uh, news, um, finance news, and it's, it's really great. Uh, so thank you so much for, for being on today. And we can't wait. Uh, to follow follow your journey and can't wait to have you on in years time when you're, uh, you know, founders of a, a biggest Australian <laughs> unicorn. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thanks, Ronan. Wow, what an incredible conversation with Justin and Brett. It is so uh, obvious how passionate they are about solving the financial literacy problem in Australia. And I can't wait to see um, where they go. Uh, for class, it's really important that everyone has a think about what are some takeaways? What would they like to ask Justin and Brett if they could speak to them? And one of them will be in class this week. Also important to think about maybe what are the, some of the legal considerations that they may have had to make in their business journey of starting pivoting growing a startup can't wait to see you in class and stay tuned for the next episode in the startup series where i will be interviewing the incredible founder of verve who are changing superannuation in australia particularly for females it's an incredible story it's an incredible conversation i can't wait for you to listen to that as well